Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Mark Learmont, who's the CEO and director of Caledonia Mining, um, who are a profitable cash-generated gold producer with a strong growth profile with their primary asset, the Blanket Mine in Zimbabwe. Uh, Mark has a finance and investment background and joined the company back in 2008. Um, and is here to tell us uh, today about his journey with the company um, and what the what the company have been doing and what the future holds uh, for them. Um, and they've obviously they've been doing some exciting things recently, which uh, uh, Mark will speak about. So that's welcome, Mark, to the podcast. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. No, and I appreciate your time as well. So, um, as I mentioned, you've come from um, the finance investment uh, background. Well, that's that's your background. I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about your your career, uh, possibly before you started in mining, and then when you got into uh, into mining. Okay, so um, I'm an accountant, <laughs> uh, qualified in London um, in the eighties. Hated it. Then I went into um, what was then merchant banking um, with a small British bank called called Hambro's. But then that just sort of moved, sort of morphed into investment banking. I, end, I ended up um, effectively commuting between London and uh, Johannesburg, uh, where I was doing a lot of work for a company called Sudelectra, which was um, eventually became Extrata. Um, and I was buying a load of um, uh, ferrochrome assets in, in South Africa. And that kind of that kind of got me the um, the, the bug for uh, for mining, and also also meant that um, in in the nineties ninety seven, I ended up relocating from London to uh, Johannesburg, which in nineteen ninety seven wasn't wasn't a bad place to go. Um, and clearly, if you're going to do if you're going to do investment banking in Johannesburg, it's going to have resources focused on it. So I stayed in Johannesburg until about 2016. Now, so I worked for a series of, ba- a series of banks, um, uh, some, some, some of which um, went, went bust <laughs> because there was a secondary banking crisis in, um, in, uh, in South Africa. Ended up working, ended up working at Macquarie, um, basically, again, still based in Joburg. Then finally, by the time again to 2008, actually just, just before the, just before the, uh, the crash, I decided that I'd had enough of investment banking. I'd, I'd had enough of um, helping other people grow their businesses, and I wanted to get um, involved in a, in, a, in, in, in a business that was growing itself and actually get some ownership of, um, of a real honest business. And so I um, I joined uh, Caledonia in, in two thousand eight, just just before the world went crazy. Um, at that time, Caledonia was focused on um, a big cobalt exploration project in Zambia uh, and we got we got one thing right in that we identified correctly that um, that cobalt was going to be a go-go metal um, but we didn't get it right in that we didn't actually find any cobalt <laughs> and so we spent a lot of money drilling actually that's not true we did find cobalt 
Um, but metallurgically, it couldn't be extracted from the, the host um, the host ore. So that was a bit of a waste of time. Um, and we had a rag bag of other assets as well. We had uh, PGMs in South Africa and diamonds in, in uh, Canada and, um, and Zambia. But slowly over time, we, we whittled that down and we focused the business on, um, on the, the blanket mine um, in Zimbabwe, uh, which we bought in 2006 for... Um, for $4 million, we bought it off Kinross as they were leaving the country. So that's how I, that's, that's a bit of, bit of my background and that's how I got into, um, into the mining game. Um, obviously you've mentioned that you've been, um, you're the CEO of uh, Caledonia Mining and you started with the company back in 2008 um, and you became the CEO in 2014. Um, just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your experience with the company to date um, and how that you positioned uh, you for the current uh, role as CEO? Well, yes, yeah, so I joined as um, corporate development and um, investor relations. It was a small company at that time. At that time, the head office personnel, I think there's only about four of us. <laughs> so it was a very, very small company. Um, and I was, I basically drove um, strategy um, and um, investor relations and as we as we um, focus the company down onto the blanket asset, um, we were then faced with a um, quite a quite a, a tough a tough road because you know, the the blanket mine was was cash generative. It was a it was a producing gold mine in Zimbabwe, but and it had it had substantial um, investment um, requirements and opportunities at the mine, but it being in Zimbabwe, it meant that we 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 there was absolutely no hope for us to raise third-party external equity or, or debt. And so what it meant is we had to be very, very um, cautious and, and um, painstaking in making sure that we, we made the money and then we reinvested the money sensibly to make more money, which we could then invest sensibly to make more money. And you, you, you had to be, you know, you've got the normal vicissitudes of, of mining, you know, um, stuff happens, bad stuff happens, you know, sort of, you, know, you might have interruptions to production for whatever reason. So or, or the, the, the gold price may change. And so your, your cash may not be quite what you expected it to be. And so you got to, you have to be very, very nimble in terms of making sure that we, we matched our um, investment, um, investment requirements and our investment commitments with the cash that was coming through the door. Cause there was no, there was no buffer. There was no, there was no sort of safety valve. Um, and that, that took up most of my time uh, in sort of 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, I became CFO in 2014, um, and the previous CFO became the, 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 the chief executive. And that just meant I was more formalised in this role of, um, of manage, managing the cash. And in, in 2014, late 2014, early 2015, we embarked on a really quite substantial investment programme at Blanket, because frankly, we got no choice. Uh, we had to take the mine deeper. We had to dig, dig a new shaft, um, you know, going down uh, 4,000 feet, 1,200 meters. That was going to cost, what, 70, $75 million. And if we, if we hadn't done that project, we would have had close, we'd have closed the mine down in probably 2019. We were just running out of material that we could access. So given the size of that project and the sort of the, the existential nature of that pro project, not, not completing it was not, was, not a, was not an option. We had to complete it. Um, we had to complete it within budget because, as I say, we couldn't raise money and we had to complete it on time because if we didn't complete it on time, we'd run out of material and we'd close the mine down. So that was a, a very, a very um, 
a challenging sort of five year period. Um, we were making we were making you know perhaps $20, $25 million a year, but we're spending about $20, $22 million a year. And uh, it was it was you know, very careful. And I think what I learned from that exercise is the importance of um, of really rigorous uh, cash flow management, um, really close attention to uh, investment programs, um, because frankly, if if you don't have any, there's, when there's not much wiggle room, um, you got to make sure that you um, you can you can accommodate whatever unfortunate wiggles wiggles happen. So that put me, I think that's that put me and actually the rest of the management team in a really good place. In terms, of you can't just go running off to the equity markets and bail yourself out with with more equity if you need it, because frankly, for a Zimbabwean company, that has historically not been available. Um, the central shaft was a massive focus for the company over uh, the past couple of years. Uh, this project has been obviously successfully commissioned, um, and Caledonia is reaping the rewards uh, of the increased production. What would you say um, about the project in uh, retrospect? Uh, I wish we'd done it earlier, frankly, and we didn't do it earlier. We, I wish we'd done it earlier because we'd have saved ourselves an awful lot of grief and heartache. But you know, we didn't do it earlier because, frankly, the investment climate in Zimbabwe in sort of 2013, 2014 just wasn't conducive. And we left it at yeah, the absolute last minute uh, when we had no choice. It was either do it um, or if you don't do it, close down. So we had no choice. I wish, we, I wish, we'd, I wish we'd done it earlier. It would have made life much easier for us. Um, I think that what, what I get from that is, is meticulous, what the whole management team get from that is, is meticulous planning, um, close attention to um, actually implementation, um, fairly, fairly conservative um, financial structures around it. But I think what, what we really benefited from doing that project was the, um, the really high quality of the, uh, the workforce in Zimbabwe. We did the, we did the whole project using um, our own workers, and a very small crew of, I think, about eight, eight supervisors, eight supervisory staff who were um, South African. So we weren't using extremely expensive um, offshore contractors. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we got the thing done, um, done so, so cheaply. Um, but, yeah, we've always we've, we've never ceased to be surprised at the, um, the quality of the workforce in Zimbabwe, who really, yeah, you know, they're highly educated, they're, they're very literate, they're numerate. Uh, they've got a great work ethic, um, you know, and, and it's a real, it's, it's one of the reasons why we are um, so positive about future future investment in, in Zimbabwe, because fundamentally, at the end of the day, if you if you can't rely on local workers and then you've got to you've got to start using expensive expats, it quite quickly changes the um, the economics of the project. And also it changes it, it sort of distorts this 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 term, your social license to operate if if, if you've got. A load of workers there who who aren't from the country. It does build it does build uh, resentment and causes problems. Every single worker at the mine. We've got two thousand workers. Every single worker at the mine is a Zimbabwean, and our um, our relationship with the with the community is excellent. And we, you know, you, you don't need me to tell you, um, you know, the difficulties that some mining companies have got in in other African jurisdictions with with, with the local community. We would just cut cut right through that, and it's um it's a great strength for the business. Mm. That's a good result as well, having having a whole local 2,000 employees that are local. So, uh, no, that, that's, that's good to hear, even though I'm an uh, expat uh, mining recruiter. Um, would it be fair to say that since the successful commissioning of the central shaft, uh, the company has shifted its focus uh, to becoming a more um, multi-asset producer? Um, yeah, that's and why is, 
And I suppose why why is this uh, strategy important to Caledonia mining and moving forward? Yeah, we have we have changed our well, we haven't changed our strategy. Our strategy has just evolved and developed. Uh, so let's let's be clear. When when we were busy doing the central shaft, we didn't have the management. Um, um, bandwidth to look at other assets. We didn't have the money either. So and we had to keep absolute single focus on delivering the central shaft. Central shaft was is now operational. Uh, it was commissioned in March 2021. Um, and it's now contributing to a much higher rate of production. So we put out um, our Q2 production numbers a couple of weeks ago. We're now running at a rate of about 80,000 ounces a year. Um, which, which brings several benefits. The first is that obviously producing and selling more ounces means that you've got more revenues, but it also means that our, our fixed cost base gets spread over more ounces. So in general, it means that we're looking at, um, at, at, at downward downward pressure on our um, on our cost per ounce you know, in, in an environment that is somewhat inflationary. So we now have the benefit of uh, more cash coming through the door um, and uh, greater sort of management bandwidth to look at other other projects. So we'd always intended to look at other projects. We just didn't didn't have the wherewithal to do it previously. And it's very important to become a multi-asset producer because one of the one of the the investment risks that we face currently is as a single asset operation, it means that you're much more prone to um, you know unfortunate things happening. Um, in mining, as you'd be aware, good stuff takes five or ten years to happen, and the bad stuff bad stuff can happen in seconds. Um, and as a single asset operation, you've always got that sort of higher higher risk factor. And so it, it's um, it, it's good is a good uh, thing for us to do to try and uh, diversify that risk by becoming a multi asset producer. But I guess then the the next question will be, okay, multi asset producer, but why in Zimbabwe? Why 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 don't you take your um, take your money and, and try and become a multi-asset producer across multiple jurisdictions, which is a fair question. We can come on and perhaps discuss that right now, if you like. Yeah, no, carry on then. Okay, well, I mean, um, there's two There's two reasons why we've remained, several reasons why, why we remain resolutely focused on Zimbabwe. The first is that from a gold perspective, it is it is highly, highly prospective. Um, until the 80s, um, Zimbabwe was Africa's third biggest uh, gold producer. Uh, behind uh, Ghana and um, South Africa, and there are there's a lot of gold in Zimbabwe, and it's never been properly explored um, for, for obvious reasons. The the very poor um, sort of investment climate there in the in the 1990s and onwards. So if you ask any any Africa geologist, any old African geologist, they they will they will they will confirm. It's not just me as a washed up investment banker telling you this. You know, people who know much much more about this than I do. Um, know that Zim is is probably the last ex- unexplored frontier in Africa. So there is there's big gold in Zimbabwe, and actually we've just bought a big asset a couple of weeks ago. Second thing is that's where we can operate. Um, operating in Zimbabwe is is not as hard as people might imagine, but it is it does require a certain sort of um, skill set, um, and it requires you to to what to be able to sort of navigate the highways and byways and know what you're doing and which levers to pull and which which buttons not to press and that sort of stuff. And actually, that's where we operate very, very successfully. Um, so yeah, given the fact we operate successfully there and it's so prospective, why on earth would we take our money somewhere else where we'd have to you know, effectively pay school fees to, to learn how to operate in a, in a different jurisdiction? And I think the, the third reason why we, why we also remain focused on Zim is that um, our money doesn't travel very well. We don't have huge amounts of cash. Uh, and that means that if, if, we're, if we're to look at things in other jurisdictions, we would be having to offer our, our equity and typically, 
assets in, in other jurisdictions are just much more expensive than they are in Zimbabwe. And so it would be th those deals would be diluted for us, overly diluted for our shareholders. So there's, there's three reasons then why we remain focused on Zim. It's got, it's got the gold, it's where we can operate. But frankly, we don't really have the financial um, flexibility at this stage to, um, to take our money and look in other more, um, more highly sought after um, jurisdictions. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the moment, the world is going through a very big um, inflation crisis, if you would call it that. Um, obviously, Zimbabwe has experienced that over a number of years. Um, how has the company moved forward during that whole uh, period of very, very, very extremely high inflation? Well, there was the inflation reached its first peak in the period, what, 2000 and, um, 2008, 2009, uh, when, you know, you'll be familiar with millions and billions and trillions, quadrillions, quintillions, septillions. I've, yeah. I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a trillion dollar note or a hundred trillion dollar note. Yeah, so, yeah. no, no. The only people really who suffered in that environment were actually the workers. Um, uh, they suffered terribly. Um, and at that time, under the laws that prevailed at the time, we, we, we had no alternative. We had to pay them in local currency, which were just worthless by the time they, they'd received it. Um, and actually, in two, late 2008, we did close Blanket Mine down um, simply because the, 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 the operating environment just became completely unsustainable. Um, but that fixed itself within a couple of months. Um, so that was then. Um, and then you went through a period of relative stability. But as it stands at the moment, yes, in local currency terms, there is there is extremely high inflation, running at I think about five hundred percent per annum. Um, but we don't operate in the local currency environment. Uh, we're a gold producer. Um, we sell we sell our, our gold for primarily dollars. We get about seventy five percent of our revenues in, in U.S. dollars. Um, we and then we we spend those U.S. dollars to on our, our labor get our, our workers get paid in U.S. dollars. Uh, the bulk of our um, consumables which we import from South Africa, we pay for those in rands or effectively US dollars. Um, and so the local currency component we use to pay taxes, um, uh, duties, and a small proportion of our, um, of our electricity bills. So you know, we, we, we're not particularly affected by um, the local, local inflation rate to the extent that we would be if say we were a purely, uh, say a beer manufacturer or a, you know something making something 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 producing for the for the local for the local consumer market so we're pretty much we're, we're, we're insulated from that having said that we are now beginning to see the first signs of proper genuine us dollar inflation um, and so as, as every other company will be in our sector so you know we're seeing explosive prices go up we're seeing ammonia prices go up um, you know we're seeing we're seeing steel prices go up cyanide prices go up but you know what that's I'd, I'd much rather in an inflationary environment be a gold producer than be something else um, so you know we the, the, so the, the clear point here is that um, is that domestic inflation in the zim dollar just doesn't doesn't affect us at all um you are on the verge of releasing your second sustainability report um, and you're moving towards renewable energy sources. Um, having commissioned a solar project um, that will support the power delivered to your mine in a sustainable way, um, how is the project progressing and are there any changes you're making for a more sustainable operation? Yeah, that's right. We've been, um, 
we're investing $14 million to build a 12 megawatt um, solar project, which is immediately over the road from the mine. Um, the project, to all intents and purposes, is, is pretty much ready to go. Um, I was there a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it's there. It's ready to go. The project was somewhat delayed by uh, COVID, uh, which had an effect on the manufacturing of the, of the panels in China. And then, there, then after that, there was uh, supply chain difficulties, getting the stuff from China to Africa. But we, we got through that now. The only delay in getting the, the thing commissioned is, um, is the final sort of plumbing, plugging it in through the grid. And that just takes, um, that really comes down to some sort of um, historic communication issues between the, uh, the contractor, Voltalia, and the, the local grid company. But we now, we now understand that those, those uh, communication issues have been resolved. And we expect the, the solar project to be um, operational and delivering power to the mine by the end of, um, by the end of, of August. And that will deliver about 27% of, um, of Blanket's average daily power requirements and will will save us will save us about three million dollars a year in in um, electricity costs um, and it, it pays for itself we're not doing we're not doing this just just to burnish our green credentials i mean yeah they the the environmental benefit is is you know, it's not lost on us but it, we're doing it because it makes money um, and already now we're beginning to look at a, um, a second phase project where we could further increase the contribution from solar from well, 27%, which it will be at the end of phase one, to perhaps 50%. Um, but the other thing that's worth noting as well is that um, of the balance that we get through the grid, a high proportion of that is actually um, from a hydro project itself. Um, so if so long as so if we're using the solar solar project to displace um, diesel, because we do we do currently use quite a lot of diesel to in periods where we have uh, power outages, where the grid's not functioning. Uh, so, so long as we're using solar to displace um, diesel, once you've done that, frankly, our, uh, our green credentials and the, the, the provenance of our power is, is very high proportion of um, solar and, um, and hydro, which you know, is important nowadays. Um, before obviously we started recording, you uh, mentioned that you've uh, um, recently made an acquisition. Um, just wonder if you can talk more about that. Yeah, so as, as, as we said mentioned earlier on, I mean, having got the central shaft finished and we're now reaping the benefit of that through higher production, better cash flows, late, late last year, we, we made our first foray. We, we acquired a, um, a million ounce resource base for $4 million. Um, and then we're busy, we're busy doing work to upgrade that, um, that resource base. And then we'll do some further exploration on that. But then more recently, a couple of weeks ago, we announced that we've, um, we've acquired a much bigger asset. It's, um, it's nearly two and a half million ounces of measured and indicated uh, resources at a grade of about 2.25 grams a ton. And, that, there is, and there is a feasibility study on that project already, um, which caters for the, the building of a of an open pit operation producing a peak of about 200,000 ounces with an av average production rate of about 170,000 ounces over a nine year life of mine. Um, that we bought that, uh, we're in the process of completing that acquisition. Um, with uh, the current share price, the acquisition price is about $55 million. And if we, um, if we go, if we develop that project in a sort of single step, um, there's a funding need of about $250 million. Um, which will fund through a combination of internal cash flows, uh, debt, <clears throat> and new equity. But if if um, 
if the funding can't be um, can't be obtained on acceptable terms, uh, we'd simply fall back onto a phased a phased approach, uh, which would see us do a phase one project uh, for say 60, 70,000 ounces, and then follow up with a, a second phase to get it up to um, up to 170. And we could fund the whole of that first phase uh, using internal cash flows, um, and then harvest the the cash coming out of phase one to to fund phase two. So that puts us right back into you know the skill set and the 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 experience that we gained at Blanket when we had no choice that but we had to you know just recycle the cash that we were making to reinvest for further growth and that's that's what we can do if we have to. So we're by no means we're by no means betting the farm and throwing ourselves onto the onto the tender mercy of the of the market to fund this big project. If if the funds aren't available on acceptable terms, that's it. We'll just do we'll just paddle our own canoe as we have done previously. Um, why is it in the face of uh, adversity, uh, Caledonian mining proves time and time again uh, that it is possible to operate a profitable dividend-paying company with growth um, in a jurisdiction as Zimbabwe? I think the fundamental thing is that the, the asset, the blanket asset, is, is a high-quality asset. Um, look, I mean, the average grade of, of blanket is, is only about three and a half grams a tonne. So if you were to, if you were to stumble over that resource today at um, three and a half grams a tonne with an underground mine that operates down to, uh, currently operating down to about 800, 850 metres below surface, you would never be able to build that mine from scratch and make money out of it. So we're very fortunate that the mine has been operating for nearly 100 years. And over that period of time has developed a very sophisticated infrastructure, which we've now just been able to um, enhance with recent investments over over the past five or six years to to set us up for future growth. So fundamentally, the the asset, the asset and the infrastructure that we developed is high quality. I've already mentioned the the quality of the workforce, which we think is um, is second to none. And then we also benefit from the ability to um, get all of pretty much all of the consumables that we need for the mine. We can we can put we purchase ourselves in Johannesburg, which has got a very um, sophisticated supply industry, both for you know product and, and for, for specialized skills as well. And we can get we can get product and um, and specialized skills up to the mine you know, within about 24 hours if we need if we need it. So all those things point to fundamental you know operating integrity and then on top of that where where we've we've had to work very hard but we're now we're now very good at it is just just navigating the the administrative and regulatory complexity of you know getting money into the country getting money out of the country getting stuff in getting stuff out people in people out um which is if you if you don't know how to do it could could become quite difficult um but i think the fundamental the fundamental issue is that we we've got this highly profitable cash generated business in zimbabwe if you're making money and you're profitable it's just it's just so much easier to operate there than if you're not making money and you're unprofitable uh we're taking we when when we go and see the reserve bank and we, we take money out of, the com- out of the country we're taking our money out of the country money we've made not money we've had to borrow or, or beg we're taking our money out of the country that's a very different perspective i think from just about every other um zimbabwe gold producer which is unfortunately not profitable and um, not cash generative. Um, those that are listening that may be looking looking to uh, looking to invest, um, what would you say to those investors if they were to look at investing in Caledonia mining? Well, it's not risk free. You got to you got to understand that you know, and the mining game isn't risk free. Zimbabwe is not risk free. Um, 
having said that, you know, we're a long established um, mine um, and we think that Zimbabwe is um, sort of politically stable. You may, not like, you may not like the stability, but it's stable than many other African jurisdictions. Um, so I think on, on, a, on a genuine assessment of, of risk profile, it is by far mean, it is by no means as, um, as risky as I think people, people perceive it to be. Um, listed on, um, on AIM in London, where liquidity is disappointing. Um, also listed on the uh, New York Stock Exchange, where liquidity is much better. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've got growth. We've got growth. We think, we're, we think that we are a, um, a pretty unique combination of, of growth and yield. So our, our shares are currently on a yield of about, about 5%. Um, but if once you've, once, you take, once you've taken account of blanket running at 80,000 ounces, the potential to build um, bilbos up to what, 170,000 ounces, and then an unknown amount from, from Marley Green, sort of penciling, say, 50, 60,000 ounces, um, once you factor in that, that, that growth opportunity with the yield, I, I think it is, a, it is a very unusual investment proposition. Very unusual, very attractive, very exciting. I'm, look, I'm a shareholder myself, um, and I, I, I'm very excited about the prospects for, um, for Caledonia Mining. Um, and lastly, as a conclusion, um, what is the outlook for the rest of the year going into 2023? Um, and is there anything else that you would like to uh, add um, to obviously give us more content to our listeners? Yeah, I think I think what I expect to see over the, for the balance of the year is is production stabilising at, at around twenty thousand ounces a quarter. Well, I mean twenty thousand ounces every quarter, sometimes more, sometimes less, but we're comfortable we can maintain eighty thousand ounces a year. Um, the cash position should start to improve quite strongly uh, towards the end of the year and from from early next year onwards. Particularly one aspect of the the Bilbo's transaction that perhaps people may not understand is that you know whilst it is a we're targeting a long term a very large um, sulfide uh, deposit. In the short term, we think we've got about three years of, um, of really quite simple um, cash flows arising from a, a little oxide project, which could be quite lucrative in the short term. So uh, I think I think what people should expect to see towards the end of this year and as we go into 2023 and onwards is um, is quite significantly improving cash balance, and we're beginning beginning to make prog- demonstrable progress on the. Um, on the growth, the growth opportunities. So it should that those, those the growth should be coming should come into sharper focus. I think um, as we go into into next year and towards the end of next year. Mark, really appreciate your time and give us a, an overview and an update on Caledonia Mining. Um, and we we'll obviously wish you well with the projects that you've got underway. Um, and hopefully um, you can start to um, exceed eighty thousand um, ounces. Um, going into obviously next year um, if our audience wants to reach out to you if they've got any questions how can they go about doing that uh, uh, do you use social media at all um, and if so what platforms are you on yeah we, we, we do um, we've got a, a, an investor relations um, lady called Camilla um, if you go onto our website you'll find uh, information how to get hold of us we are fairly accessible um, if people send us questions we pretty much try and respond as, um, as forthrightly as possible, you know, with, within subject to and within regulatory constraints. Um, so that, yeah, so there's plenty, plenty, of, um, plenty of access information available on our, on our website, caledoniamining.com. Yeah. Um, 
appreciate your time. Uh, maybe you want to might come on next year and give us an update. Um, obviously, you might even have other projects um, that you're going after. So um, perhaps you can come on sometime next year yeah, and give us yeah. an update. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, appreciate if you can share, uh, like, um, and pass this episode on to others. Um, make them aware of obviously Caledonia Mining and also obviously the podcast if they're not already a uh, subscriber to the uh, to the podcast. So um, really appreciate your t- uh, your time. Um, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry.